This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery companion. Break down each week's brand new episode of the sixth live-action Star Trek series with us every Monday during the season. To subscribe on your iPhone, Android, or other device, visit our website at discoveringtrek.com. Check. Check one, two. Check, check, check. Chuckity chuckle, the chocolate chicken. Hey, this is Chuck Huber, Dr. Leonard McCoy from Star Trek Continues. I'm a doctor, not a DJ. But I know that you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. Davidson, Davidson. <laughs> The biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, your independent Star Trek podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Trek Geeks. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. This is episode 117. Thank you so much for downloading. Thank you so much for joining us for what we think is going to be a really fun discussion today. I was uh, I was out last week because I was sick, so thanks to Dan for holding down the fort and, and dropping the special audio from the uh, Discovery Press Conference after their appearance at uh, New York Comic Con. We hope you all enjoyed that audio from treknews.net. But speaking of enjoy, it's at this point I'd like to introduce my co-host. I would enjoy it if he were somewhere else, but he's here this morning. And so we're going to talk to him. Yeah. Hey, it's Dan Davidson. Hey, Dan. Yeah, yeah great to have you back. That's all I have. Isn't it? Isn't it? Thank you. <laughs> no, it is. It is really good to have you back, man. Missed you last week. I kind of felt like Dr. Crusher and Remember Me, that all the people that I cared about were suddenly disappearing. But that now here you are again. So the static warp bubble has been reestablished, I guess. I don't know. I, no. So wait, does this mean the Traveler had to help rescue me? Oh, oof, yeah. Yep, so now you can have mitten hands and be happy. Uh, <laughs> mitten hands, that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm uh, not a big fan of the Traveler. Um, no. So I don't know if I should thank him for bringing me back to you or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy you're back. And I think all of our listeners are happy that you're back. Well, Dan, they can tell us if they're happy I'm back, if they get in touch with us. And how might they do that, mon frere? Well, there are several ways on Twitter, Facebook, Skype, and Instagram. You can find us at Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at podcast at trekgeeks.com. Or if you'd like, you can pick up your phone, pick up your cell phone, go to a payphone, and dial 508-784-1701 and leave us a voicemail. You can also do the same thing at speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. Plus, as we always love to talk about, our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer, is available for you to join. Always lots of good discussion, new friends, and just a whole bunch of fun things going on over there. 
uh, to do that and join the group, just go on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and one of our wonderful admins, Heather, Jackie, or Dan, will let you write in to join in on all the fun. But, Bill, you know, it's morning as we record, so I have my announcer voice, and you have to remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. That sounds so dark and, and scary. I'm I'm a little terrified right now. I'm not going to lie. Okay. So, Dan, we do have a great discussion coming up today later on in the show. Um, I, I'm very excited about it. It's always a favorite to have one of these topics on Trek Geeks. Why don't you regale us with that information and tell us who's going to be joining us? Five simple words, people. See it or skip it. And now I'll start with the other words, because that's only five words. Yes, we're very excited. See it or skip it. TNG, we're continuing the 30th anniversary, so we are going to hit up season six. And we are so excited to welcome back Ashley Victoria Robinson to the show to help us go through whether we're going to give each episode a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And I have a feeling that we uh, are not going to be making certain Amy Nelson people happy with this uh discussion oh sorry sorry that's probably true um so excited to have ashley back on the show she of geek history lesson and the red shirt diaries and also we're going to find out about her jupiter jet comic which is dropping soon but uh that's coming up right after the news Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. Spinning the Alpha Quadrant. For all the news on all the Star Treks. It's treknews.net. Online at treknews.net. And Dan, up first... A new statue has been unveiled in Los Angeles, Dan, and it's one that, um, that 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 some of us at STLV played a little bit of a part in. Yes, uh, this is a somber story, but it, it's very it, it's it's beautiful in itself. Um, of course, as everyone remembers, we lost uh, Anton Yelchin a couple of years ago um, at the ripe old age of twenty seven when he was accidentally pinned by his sports utility vehicle. Uh, and he was unfortunately killed back in June of 2016. Well, a statue honoring Anton has been unveiled, um, and is a it, you can see it over at the Hollywood's uh, Garden of Legends, um, where he is buried. Um, and it's it's kind of a it's kind of a somber thing to talk about. It's still it's still a little upsetting to to, to talk about it. Um, in addition to that statue, uh, they did have a a gathering recently, and if you may recall. Back at STLV in, in 2016, there was a mural that was hanging at the main um, hallway that fans were able to sign, and uh, Bill and myself were able to sign that mural, and that was on display at that event at the Hollywood Garden of Legends. So uh, it's kind of neat that they were able to do that. Uh, of course, the reason for it is still such a sad one, but um, yeah, so if you're in the LA area, you should check out the statue over there for Anton Yelchin. Yeah, I think it was it was really nice, the uh, the ceremony and the unveiling. I um I still can't imagine the the pain his parents must feel on a daily basis, but um, I do think that the the statue is a really great likeness of him, and here's hoping that 
his fans um, will be comforted by it uh, in the years to come for sure. Dan, in other news, it appears that season one for Star Trek Discovery has officially wrapped. It has wrapped. Yes, it wrapped uh, about 10 days ago as we record here today. On October 12th, executive producer Aaron Harberts tweeted that season one filming has completed. So we know or they know what's going to happen in the remaining episodes of Discovery. We still will be seeing it over the course of the next several months. And uh, while no official announcement has been made yet, it's all but certain that season two is going to be happening. And, And I, for one, will be very happy when that announcement becomes official. Yeah, I have to believe it's going to happen given the the information they've released about subscription numbers on CBS All Access and um, and just the, the buzz. Because, I mean, social media is pretty much alive with Star Trek talk, you know, Sunday, Monday, into the, into the midweek. So I, I have to hope that it's giving CBS the desired effect. And uh, I, I got a good feeling about it, although I'm still going to my fingers are crossed. You know? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Uh, fingers are crossed. You never know what happens in this world, but... Uh, yeah, the day that that comes, it'll be a nice big sigh of relief so we can look forward to yet another season of awesome, awesome Star Trek Discovery. Dan, speaking of awesome, our dear friends at Star Trek Continues also have new Star Trek this week. They do. Uh, oh, yeah, To Boldly Go Part 1, which is the penultimate episode in Star Trek Continues, has been released. Um I don't want to say too much about it right now because I have a feeling that I'll be talking about it a little bit more later on in today's episode, kind of. So we'll just leave it at that little mystery for today's show. Uh, I, I will say that I've watched it. I'm pretty sure you have. And um, wow. That's the only thing I'm going to say is wow. Mm-hmm. Is that is that fair? Um, that might not be enough. But yeah, I'll say wow as well. I think wow. I think fans of Star Trek and fans of Star Trek continues will be stunned. I do really do. Yeah, it is. It's unlike anything I have I have seen so far. I'll just leave it at that. Yep. And uh, Dan, lastly in news, um, we get accused of <laughs> of being fanboys and engaging in shameless self promotion at times. But uh, but this time, uh, I I do think we are going to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, and I think it's deserved. Yeah, I think so too. This is something that was completely unexpected. Uh, you know, you and I were truly shocked, humbled, and honored recently to find out that uh, we were named as finalists in the Parsec Awards. Uh, just unbelievable news. Uh, specifically, we have been nominated as a finalist for the Best Speculative Fiction Fan or News Podcast category. Um, it's just something that I think both you and I did not expect at all. What's really cool about this is not only was it an honor for us to be named as a finalist, but we were named as a finalist along with our good friends, John Champion and Ken Ray over at Mission Log. Um, So that's just as big an honor to us. You know, we've said it before. We feel that John and Ken and even the computer that has a crush on you, Bill, uh, they're just the cream of the crop when it comes to Trek podcasts. So to be mentioned in the same breath as those folks is, to be honest, for me, it's it's a little overwhelming. I have to agree with you. I am, you know, I've said for a long time that Mission Log is the, you know, the gold standard and, and sort of the standard bearer of what Star Trek podcasts are. And to be finalists for the same um, award as them is is kind of mind-blowing in a sense. Um, I've said many times there wouldn't be a, a Trek Geeks without a mission log. And uh, to be there at, uh, at, this, at their level for this particular 
award is 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 pretty amazing. We submitted a, a segment of our 100th episode um, for consideration, and the Parsec Awards are judged by a panel. They're not; it's not an internet vote type thing. So that that tells me that people heard the content of the hundredth episode and and thought it was worthy of of this nomination. So, uh, if you haven't heard the hundredth episode, um, you we we really wish you would. Uh, Check it out. It's uh, you can get it in our feed or at trekgeeks.com. It's a journey to futures past part one. Uh, our visit to Star Trek continues sets, and it's a uh, it's an amazing it's an amazing story about our our visit there. And we can only hope that it uh, touches people uh, the way that the whole journey meant something to us. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny we've never really been nominated for anything before, but you see on these TV shows that people say, you know, it's it's the honor of being nominated is is in and of itself uh very special. And I got to agree. I mean, just to be nominated is like, "Oh my god, win or lose, just being nominated is 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 a pretty cool feeling." So, whether win or lose, we'll find out in November, but uh, congratulations, man. Well deserved. Thank you and to you, buddy, and certainly to John and Ken. Um yeah, if if they win, I will be just as excited. Um, exactly. If any of the the podcast wins, uh, you know that that are nominated, I think it's it's pretty exciting. But um, here's hoping. <laughs> I won't lie. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be one of those oh my god moments. Absolutely. So let's go back in time just a little bit, way back in August of 2015. Tonight's guest joined us for the very first time on episode 28 of the Trek Geeks podcast. 28, Bill. That's like a long time ago, dude. Uh, forever um, ago. You, I, um, I don't remember what yeah, I was doing back then. I don't remember what I was doing 10 minutes ago, so it's good for me. Yeah. Um, you may remember seeing her for two seasons on the Red Shirt Diaries. And right now uh, you can catch her on the Geek History Lesson podcast with Jason Inman. She is the wonderful and talented Ashley Victoria Robinson. Ashley, it is great to have you back for a fun-filled See It or Skip It for TNG Season 6. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I've been dying to do this forever and i do believe there's been a couple of episodes where i've demanded that you have me back so it only took <laughs> more than but it's fine <laughs> and we do know that you also have demanded that you want to be involved in a see it or skip it for deep space nine and we will make that happen f yeah it's my <laughs> <laughs> so uh, i'm going to talk about how hot julian Bashir is the entire time uh, yes yes because i think i will too uh, ashley before we get started why don't you tell us a little bit about jupiter jet oh that's so kind of you to let me do this so early in the show uh jupiter jet is uh, a totally amazing not to be missed comic book series that uh myself and my red shirt diaries uh co-producer slash husband Jason Inman have been working on uh, basically since Redshirt Diary stopped taking over our entire lives. It is the story of a 16-year-old girl who inherits a jetpack with a mysterious power source from her father. And so, you know, like any responsible 16-year-old, she robs from the rich and gives to the poor and fights bad guys who uh, maybe might be aliens. Nice. And, yeah. So if you're into sci-fi, if you're into things like The Rocketeer or Wonder Woman or Lumberjanes, you can get it. Uh, issue number one in stores December 6th. Go to your local comic shop. Tell them that you want it and that you think it's amazing and it will show up the first Wednesday of every month um, or if you're really cool like bill and dan you can just email me and i'll send you the pdf 
Nice. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ashley, will that be available on Comixology and stuff like that as well? Uh, it absolutely will. Great. Thank you for asking because I always forget that. And um, a little Comixology bird told me that there might even be a really handy-dandy graphic uh, the first week of December on the front page that you can click to find it. Nice. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Jupiter, Thank you. Jupiter Jet. <laughs> That's awesome. lovely. Awesome. Congratulations. Well, uh- well, amidst all that excitement, we've just got to do a little thing called see it or skip it. So this is going to seem like uh, <laughs> like nothing in comparison. This is a uh, one of our fan favorites. People love see it or skip it. We're going to run through the entire sixth season of Star Trek: The Next Generation, episode by episode, and Dan and I will rank it as a see it or a skip it, and why. Ashley's job primarily is to control the chaos. Because that happens. And then um, I'm not a director. This is going to be great, guys. <laughs> That's all right, because we're not really podcasters. So, uh, and I also have ratings and verbatims <laughs> from Camp Kittimer, thanks to, uh, to Debbie, who did the poll in Camp Kittimer and gave me the results several weeks ago. So, with that, Ashley, you may start wherever and with whomever you like. All right. Well, I think uh, we should probably start at the beginning with episode one uh, times. I like that. Thank you. You're a pro. Times Arrow Part 2. Well, we'll see. Uh, The Enterprise crew followed Data to San Francisco in the 1890s and tried to find a way to prevent aliens from interfering with 19th century Earth. Uh, Since we're going in order, I think it's only fair to go in alphabetical order and ask Bill what he thinks of this episode. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Um, As we flash back to the end of TNG Season 5, see it or skip it, I called Part 1 Skip It because I don't really like Time's Arrow. And continuing with that trend, I'm going to call part two a skip it. I, um, I I just, I don't enjoy Time's Arrow. I don't find anything compelling about it. To me, it is the weakest of all the next-gen cliffhangers. And sorry, Amy Nelson, I'm disappointing you early. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness gracious. Dan, how about you? Right out of the gate, man? Are you serious? Yeah, I'm bringing it early. <laughs> Well, if we flash back to my uh, vote for Times Arrow Part 1, I gave it a see it. Um, So I am going to continue that trend here. I do give it a see it as well. I do agree with you, Bill. It is the weakest of all the next-gen cliffhangers, but um, I still enjoyed it. Um, Surprisingly, I actually enjoyed the Mark Twain scenes on the Enterprise uh, quite a bit. So I will give this a see it. Can you help a 49er? Should I fell in the shaft? So, uh, yeah, (laughs) we'll we'll give that one a see it. I guess that leaves you, Ashley. How do you come down on this one? I should have been smart and picked up my cue. I will give it a (laughs) see it, but barely a see it. Um, It's pretty tough to come into a second part where we've had a completely mediocre cliffhanger to not try and see if it pays off in any meaningful way. Uh, It doesn't, spoiler alert. Although, in spite of that, I think that the period costumes are pretty great, and I love Jordy retaining the visor with a stupid costume. So watch it just for that alone. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right. All right, so Bill is the odd man out. I like that. Yeah, we're going to be controversial and uh, divisive very early on. (laughs) Shall we move on to a realm of fear? Mm. That sounds fantastic. I thought so. Barclay must overcome his fear of the transporter and solve a mystery. I love the descriptions of these episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, How about Dan? What do you think about uh, realm of fear? 
Well, I'm going to continue my trend of positivity for See It or Skip It TNG Season 6. I'm going to give this one a see it. Um, You know, most of the Barkley episodes have been enjoyable, and I don't think this one is any different. Um, I like how he is still dealing with phobias. Just last night, as a matter of fact, I was watching Pathfinder, the Voyager episode, where everybody thinks he's addicted to the holodeck again. So I like how he's still dealing with all of these fears. And it's a good episode. It, it It's great how he deals with it. I got to say, though, the one thing that I got to give it down or two is the CGI for those creatures in the transporter. <laughs> just just bad, bad, bad. Or awesome. <laughs> Depending on how you Bill, what do it. you got, man? Um, this one's a see it for me. I've always appreciated that this episode dealt with what seemed to be a reasonable fear or anxiety and kind of did it in an interesting way. Um, are you guys interested in how Camp Kittimer responded to this one? Believe it or not, uh, half of Camp Kittimer respondents, 51% said, see it, which really kind of surprises me. Um, some say, why does Barkley's uniform look like it's always too big? Uh, love Barkley, but not this. Skip it. Another yeah. reason not to transport, see it. Um, so a wide variety of responses from Camp Kittimer. Ashley, how about you? All right. So here's the thing about Ashley. Ashley hates Barclay. So <laughs> skip it. Screw all Barclay episodes all the time. <laughs> um, I think the actor does a really good job. He's just not a character that I think is really interesting in any way. So I'm really sorry to uh, the majority of the Camp Kinnamer people. Uh, please don't <laughs> tag me in your angry posts. If you love it, I'm so glad for you. Um, but I will never watch this episode again. <laughs> All right. All right. So moving right along uh, into something maybe more positive, question mark, man of the people. A psychic ambassador uses Deanna's mind to influence the outcome of a mission. All right, Bill, what do you think about Man of the People? Oh, I, I, I'm stammering. That's how much I hate this episode. This is my least favorite Deanna Troy episode in seven seasons of Next Gen. And that includes the one where she goes, great joy and gratitude. And gratitude. Great joy and gratitude. Huh. Um, this episode is putrid. It is. There was no chocolate in this episode. No, there's no chocolate. There's, there's no redeemable qualities about this episode. There's no good dialogue. This thing just sucks. So, uh, I would, I think that's probably a skip it, Dan. (laughs) I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. And, uh, I am right there with you, partner. It is definitely a skip it for me. You know, this is another Deanna Troy abuse episode. And now that we're in season six, it's kind of getting a little old. Um, and I got to say the old Deanna makeup rivals the putrid makeup for old Dr. Pulaski. I mean, it's just, it just <laughs> does not look good. Um, the one redeeming quality about this episode is I do have to give a thumbs up to the wardrobe department because they really do make very beautiful dresses for Deanna in a couple of the scenes. And it really looks nice. She does a great job with what she's given. But unfortunately for this episode, she's not really given much to do. That's good. Skip it. <laughs> what about Ashley? Oh, I didn't know if we were going to weigh in on Camp Kittimer or not. Ah, oh, Camp, you know, Camp Kittimer can wait. That's that's actually a good idea. <laughs> Believe it or not, this I mean, is we not. We don't have to. We don't have to. <laughs> this is not the lowest rated episode from Camp Kittimer, but only 24% of respondents said they would watch this. So I don't want to telegraph too soon, but there's another episode that comes in significantly lower, if you can believe that. <laughs> I'm, hmm. I'm I'm interested to see which one it will be. Hmm. Uh, uh, yeah. I'm 
I'm going to agree with everything that everyone has said so far. TNG has a good track record of interesting dynamic female characters building on the legacy that Uhura sent down in TOS is a bad track record of violating them physically and psychologically. And Mm -hmm. this is just another example of that. Um, Plus, Alcar is basically just like the sleazy garbage character. And the fact that he assumes that Picard will understand why he's doing what he's doing uh, it's just like, you know, perfectly identifies what's wrong with the world to me right now. So I don't even like it on a meta level. Skip this episode. It is no good. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Relics. Maybe this one will turn the tide a little bit. Episode four. The Enterprise investigates a vessel that crashed on the surface of a Dyson Sphere 75 years ago. A pattern is found in the transporter buffer, which turns out to be (gasps) Mr. Scott. Dan, what do you think about Relics? Well, it's. I think it's safe to say uh, I'm thinking Camp Kittimer is going to be pretty high on the see it level. I'm on the see it level. Uh, It's Scotty for God's sake. Um, as we've talked about in the past, we did a whole episode on this uh, episode of Relics on on Trek Geeks, and the scale for the Enterprise when it's near the Dyson Sphere is just so wrong. But I can easily <laughs> overlook that, um, and I can also overlook the fact that you know Jordy's kind of a dick to Scotty in this episode, to be perfectly blunt. But oh my god, to see the TOS bridge for the first time since the late '60s was just a thing of joy, and. And of course, Jimmy doing what else can be said. So it is a definite see it for me. This was a great uh, heart string episode. Nice. You know, I, th- I think the interesting thing in both our comments on this episode, Dan, is we both use the same description for Jordy. And aside <laughs> from the fact that he's a total dick to Scotty in this episode, this is a great hour of Star Trek and it's fun. And it's what you hope for in in a ratings stunt like this during sweeps, because I have to assume that's when this aired. Um, and plus I think that's Jim, a pretty safe assumption. <laughs> yeah. Plus Jimmy Doohan. I mean, you know, it's, it's like comfort food for Trekkies. So this is a total see it for me. Looking at Camp Kittimer, as you might expect, this is one of the highest ranked see it episodes at 96.97%. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Very lots nice. of see it. There are, I think there's one skip it, honestly. Uh, maybe two, but somebody said, Scotty, 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 see it. Uh, cringeworthy, but nice nostalgia, see it. And my favorite <laughs> is, see it, laddie. <laughs> Very nice. Ashley, how about you? I'm, g- I'm going to bet that you don't skip this one. Uh, how could you skip this one? This is my favorite version of, I'll call him old Scotty, to be polite. Uh, he was in the swing of doing the TOS movies at the time. And I think this version of him feels more authentic to the TOS Scotty than maybe what he's doing running around San Francisco, which is apparently a common theme uh, in Star Trek. Because I guess that's <laughs> we just love the Golden Gate Bridge. I know. Don't tweet me. I know that that's where Starfleet Academy is. Um, the TOS throwback episodes are usually really good. Trials and Tribulation in Deep Space Nine is really good. And it's cool to see that it can be handled well in a way that satisfies both the ongoing plot and the narrative that's driving the story and scratches all of our nostalgia itches. Definitely see it. Uh, if someone tells you to skip it, they're wrong. Don't listen to them. I actually have one thing I wanted to also mention, Ashley. I'm glad we all uh, gave it a, a see it. One of the things that I loved, and I can remember distinctly freaking out when it happened, is when they are 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 beaming in the pattern that's in the buffer. 
even though time-wise it's the wrong transporter effect because this is like kind of <laughs> oh, during yeah. the movie section, to have that original transporter sound and the shimmer was one of those oh my god moments that I will never forget when it comes to Star Trek. Oh, nice. That's so sweet. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next is Schisms, which is one of my favorite titles of the season. Several members of the crew are abducted and experimented on while they sleep uh, because nobody can have nice sleeps on the Enterprise. Bill, what do you think about Schisms? You know, Schisms is a great title. Uh, unfortunately, it's just not a great episode. It drags on about <laughs> 20 minutes too long. And like, seriously, I... um. Uh, this is one I actually do skip over if I'm, you know, watching on Netflix or, you know, the the BBC America on 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 the televisions or um, just in general. I don't dig schisms. Um, Kim Kittimer actually feels a lot better about schisms than I do, but I can talk to you about that later, Dan. Sure, and uh, I'll throw in uh, you 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 threw in some great channels there, Bill. But as you know. I do skip over it when it's on H&I, Heroes and Icons, up here in my <laughs> neck of the woods. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a skip it for me. I just don't like this episode. Um, I like the whole abducted by aliens thing that's going on because we have fun with that here in our present day. But it just wasn't a great episode for me to watch. And the levitation uh, special effects and being pulled into that subspace hole, they're just bad, bad. So, yeah, so skip it for me as well. Uh, Ashley? Well, uh, I really like Riker in his pajamas, and that's <laughs> maybe the only good thing that I could say about this episode. So I would say see it once for that, and then you could skip it uh, going forward. The The interesting thing about the Camp Kittimer results is that 81% of the respondents would see this episode. And What? Yes. I'm shocked by that. Of the verbatims. Wow. They all cite Ode to Spot. Ode to Spot is pretty <laughs> incredible. We actually, fun fact, studied that in my high school English class as a way to structure <laughs> really? your poems. So oh, wow. it's pretty magical. Yeah. <laughs> so wow. I was surprised by that result. One, one of the verbatims also said debut of the Riker meme. So see it. Um, <laughs> I suppose if that's a justification to see an episode, it's as good as any. But that's how Camp Kettemer felt about schisms. I'm, I'm gonna. It's gonna take me a minute to get over that. That's so crazy. All <laughs> I, right. I want to like. I just want to talk. I just want to do the Ode to Spot poem now, but I won't. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. I don't feel as catus. Is your taxonomic nomenclature an endothermic quadruped carnivorous by nature? Huh? I'll I'll stop there. Did you read that? Be honest. I'm, yes. <laughs> I'm snapping for you because that's of course what I did. I oh, like beat poetry. Yeah. Nice. Nice. There you go. All right, next is True Q. Q reveals a secret about a young woman from Kansas who is visiting the Enterprise. She is a Q, and so were her parents. Dan, what do you think about True Q? Oh, this was a tough one for me to vote on. And I got to say, I, I'm in a good mood. And for that reason, I'm going to give it a see it. This is... The only reason I'm giving it a see it is because it's John Delancey. Anything with John Delancey is always awesome. And and his aspect of Q in this episode is what gives it a see it. He saves this episode for me. I'm not a fan of Olivia DeBow in this. And the way that she uses her Q powers with her little hand waving thing just irritates me to no end. <laughs> um, I do like the effect of the other Q literally being a shadow on the wall. 
uh, when he talks yeah. to Delancey's character, but um, it's it's as borderline a see it, I think, as I can give it. Yeah. Interesting. You know, mm. I, I do think that this episode does a fine job of reestablishing Q as a threat of some kind, and not just as, as comic relief as several episodes had done before that. But for me, this one is uh, it's just a skip it. I, uh, it's my least favorite of all the Q episodes, hands down. I have a hard time watching it. I mean, even despite Delancey, who is always fantastic, I just, mm-hmm. I really don't dig this episode. Um, Camp Kittimer disagrees with me because 90% of them said, see it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm wrong. I get it. But um, <laughs> I just don't dig it. Ashley? Well, I'm going to go from disappointing about 50% of the audience to about 90% of the audience. Um, here's another thing about Ashley. Uh, I hate the cue. I, <laughs> I, I, I think John Delancey is tremendous. Um, I think he does have really good moments. Just to me, it is like in the way that uh, the weird Gungans in Star Wars are like George Lucas to the George Lucasiest. Yeah. To me, you are Roddenberry to the Roddenberryist. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's too far afield for me. And this isn't even a good Q episode. So definitely you got to skip it. There are, yeah. there are better ones, even if they're not your jam, uh, like anything previous to this, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Next is Rascals. A transporter malfunction turns Picard, Keiko, Roe, and Guided into children who become the ship's only hope when they are left aboard while the adult crew are forced to perform dangerous labor by Ferengi pirates. Bill, how do we feel about Rascals? You know, I have at least one of these a season, and this season (laughs) is no exception. And my one-word skip it review is this. Meh. That's how I feel about Rascal. You do have one of those a season. I do. That's so funny. And um, that's what this one is. Um, I'll give you the verbatims for Camp Kittimer later because um, I, there's one of them that's particularly amusing to me. So, Dan, how about you? Yeah, first of all, Ashley, I got to say in your description, which you just read so beautifully, um, oh, the you. word dangerous alongside with the word Ferengi <laughs> is kind of funny in itself. That being said, um, I, too, am going to give it a skip it. Um I, I just, how on earth these bumbling Ferengi can completely take over a galaxy starship is beyond me. Um, and to me, that basically ruined the episode for me because it was just so simple for them to do this. Um, and again, we've talked about this countless times. Kid episodes, unfortunately, just don't work that well in Star Trek. Um, the one thing that I did like about it is it was good to see the same child actor who played Renee played Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't enough to save this for me. So I gave it a skip it. Interesting. Well, if I look at the Camp Kittimer verbatims, three of them say, he's my number one dad. But my favorite <laughs> is play it in the background. See it. <laughs> Another one says, uh, that's, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Live action uh, animated series. Skip it. <laughs> and uh, ultimately 63% of people in Camp Kittimer would see this episode. So um, that's about what I expected, but um, I definitely, uh, this one's a stinker for me. Hmm. Ashley? Oh, I love this episode. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) Um, It's not a good episode, and I'm definitely not defending 
um, the indefensible trope of everybody suddenly becomes a child because everyone has done that. It has been done better. Uh, the Justice League action cartoon <laughs> just did the Halloween episode, which does this much better. But I really think that little Guinan and little Roe are so cute. <laughs> Um, and they're actually, I think they're pretty good for kid actors, but it's seriously a stupid episode. So watching it in the background or maybe watching it when you're sick, I would recommend doing, but I like rascals. Okay. <laughs> my, my guilty pleasure episode. Interesting. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go to my favorite title of the whole season, a fistful of datas. Data's mind is connected to the ship's computer, which creates unforeseen effects on the holodeck. Bill, do you agree about the title of A Fistful of Datas? Um, I, I do think it's the most entertaining title uh, of the whole season, and perhaps um, in the show. But uh, I'm about to disappoint so many fans of Star Trek right now, including my podcast partner, Ooh. maybe his descendants, and, and probably his ancestors. I have never enjoyed this episode. I love Westerns. I love <laughs> Star Trek. I just don't love this. Um, I, I I get it. It's fun for a lot of people. I just, eh, eh. It's a holodeck episode. I don't dig it. Skip it. Dan? Ashley, Harsh. for the rest of the episode, I'm going to have to go through you f- to give messages to Bill because I'm not talking to him anymore. <laughs> okay. I'll have him um, pass this off. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is uh, this is a definite see it for me. Um, as a matter of fact, for those who have listened to past episodes, this is one of my all time top ten TNG episodes. I love this episode. It is so fun for me. I love the Western music with the TNG theme. I love the sets. I love the Enterprise riding off into the sunset at the end of the episode. It's just great. Uh, Brent Spiner gets to really, um, you know, expand. Was acting, and I, you know, I do know that the the end scene is a little too much to take. But this episode for me is just so much fun. But there is Alexander too. But I will give it a see. Uh, it. Absolutely see it, Alexander. <laughs> uh, you um. Now I realize that you know there's a whole bunch of people in Camp Kittimer that think I'm an idiot right about now. There are a few skippets from Camp Kittimer. Some people do cite uh, in the verbatims for see it, uh, Enterprise flying into the sun, uh, watch not as good, which is interesting. Uh, Troy in leather pants, enough said, see it. That's a quote. That's not me. 78.79% of campers would watch this episode, Ashley. Oh, man. Uh, I love a fistful of data. I think it's so good. Um Mm, I think most of the holodeck episodes aren't good, but this is a pretty good one. Um, the Western town is a totally fun set. That's pretty close to where I live, which uh, I love. And Brent Spiner, he's tremendous throughout the series, but every once in a while, you really get to see the caliber of his acting. Um, usually when lore is in the scene and I hate lore. So it's great that we get to see him be wonderful in the absence of lore. Plus, I mean, how can you hate how ridiculous Worf looks here? He looks like a complete idiot. It's it's like it's like second only to the Robin Hood episode as far as Worf looks being completely out of control go. So just based on that, you have to see Fistful of Datas. Where's my boy? <laughs> and episode nine is the quality of life. Data observes the mining tools have become sentient beings and fights for their preservation. Uh, all right, Dan, what do you think about quality of life? 
Well, you know, this one was tough for me to decide on. Um, it has some great aspects of episodes like Measure of a Man with the argument over sentient life, um, but it isn't nearly as well pulled off as that must-see Star Trek episode, not just TNG, but Star Trek. Uh, there are several reasons why I think I could choose this as a skip it, but for Amy's sake, I think I'll go ahead and give it the benefit of the doubt and choose it as a see it. Bill? Wow. Um, I think that this story allows for some great conflict within the episode between Data and Riker. And I think at its core, it's just very Star Trek. Yeah, it's not the measure of a man, but so few episodes are. I still think that this one's a see it, and I would watch it just based on that. Looking at Camp Kittimer, about three quarters of respondents say see it, and even one person says exocomps give me the feels <laughs> which That's is a great t-shirt right there <laughs> i know we ought to put that on a shirt and sell it um but uh yeah 75 percent, ashley so that's not too bad i think that is very respectable because i would also agree that it is a see it um jordy's my favorite uh tng character so jordy centric episodes are always good uh, no matter how horrific his interactions with any and all female characters might happen to be. Um, I think the opening poker game and the discussions of beards is right on. I love Data and Jordy getting to work together. And I mean, you said it, uh, so few things are as good as Measure of a Man, but I do think that the framework of this episode is very Star Trek-y. Um, yeah. <laughs> it exemplifies the kind of questions and the kind of subject matter that we want to tackle. And I think it's also a great indication that um, it reminds me of a very recent episode of Star Trek Discovery. So I think, yeah, mm -hmm. you definitely have to see the quality of life. Next, we're going to dive into another two-parter asking the question, must you watch both parts? With Chain of Command Part 1, Captain Jellicoe Cat is assigned command of the Enterprise <laughs> while Picard is sent on a covert mission into Cardassian territory. Bill, what do you think about Chain of Command Part 1? Well, you know, because Jellicoe's are and, and Jellicoe's do, um, I think... <laughs> How could you just not make that joke? It's the best. I know, right? Uh, Dan's going, what the hell are they talking about? Um, this is one of Star Trek's finest hours in 50 years it's well acted. Uh, David Warner is amazing, especially when you consider he's reading his lines off cue cards. Um, mm -hmm. uh, see it. I can't really say anything else because I start stammering about how great this is, Dan. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, it is a no-brainer uh, a see it for me. I'll be I'll be surprised if this doesn't get like 99% see it in uh, Camp Kittimer, but simply said, this is TNG at its absolute best. I think Jellico is an amazing character, and I really wish we got to see more of him uh, in whether it's TNG or later on in Deep Space Nine. I thought it would have been great to have that as a recurring role, uh, but it is see it with without any hesitation whatsoever. Ashley? I would definitely have to say see it. Um, I think I said this last time, it's hard not to give a, any two-parter a see it just because of the length of storytelling. And they often get to deal with stuff in a more complex way than a standard Star Trek episode does. This is one of the best examples. Um, we started off the season with not a best example of a two-part episode. <laughs> uh, plus, 
anytime you deal with the Cardassians, I think is a good time. And once you're familiar with Deep Space Nine, it is fun to go back and see the prototypes of what these characters and what this race is. And then, yeah, I mean, Jellicoe's a all-time great TNG guest star. So looks like we all agree on that. <laughs> Camp Kittimer, Dan, you'd be surprised to find out is not 99%. What does Camp Kittimer say, Bill? It's closer to 93%, believe it or not. So 93.94%. Wow. Yeah, say that uh, they would see this. Some of the verbatims are interesting. Uh, a new captain, Reiki, no likey. See it. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Get it done, Will. See it. Troy finally gets a uniform. See it. Um, but yeah, there are a couple of people who would actually skip chain of command, if you can believe that. Wow. That is a good, um, whoever it is who shouted out to Troy gets a uniform. That is a good moment. Um, I know that many of my uh, people who are interested in ladies really like the various cat suits, but her in a uniform is always a plus for me too. Mm -hmm. Definitely. All right. Well, let's see if our goodwill uh, transfers over into Chain of Command Part 2. Picard, having been captured, is tortured by a sadistic Cardassian interrogator. Bill, are we still on board with Chain of Command Part 2? Uh, I'm on board and then some, you know, Patrick Stewart should have gotten an Emmy for this episode. It's amazing. It is a perfect second part of this story and I can't say enough good things about it. So, um, that kind of translates to, um, help me out here, Dan. What are the words I'm looking for? Oh, oh, see it, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, I'm right there with you. I, I feel that this is one of the best part two episodes ever, not just Star Trek. It's one of the best part two episodes in television. Um, Patrick Stewart, like you said, just great acting. And David Warner is just so good in this. He kills it as Gal Madrid. And um, uh, Chain of Command is my all-time number two TNG episode. So uh, it is a see it. Absolutely. Ashley. I definitely agree. You have to see it. I think it is the better half of the two-parter, uh, personally, but I do think that both halves are are very excellent episodes of television. I really appreciate the moment where Riker is relieved of duty. Um, I think it speaks a lot to his loyalty, which is the aspect that I think must have kept him on the Enterprise this long, because I think he's been offered command like 900 times by this point. <laughs> uh, and I do like the thought experiment of Data being promoted to first officer. Getting a chance to see him try new things like that and seeing how he adapts is a really great character moment. Uh, plus, who doesn't want to see Picard interrogated by an alien? We're all hoping there are four lights will come back at some point, don't we? <laughs> oh, Absolutely. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Camp Kittimer gave this an identical rating to part one. So 93.94% of the respondents would watch this episode. Interestingly enough, the same people who would skip part one would also skip part two, which I find, Boo. I know, very interesting. Um, as far as verbatims, I see five lights. See it. Gulmadred brings the pain. <laughs> see it. And uh, POW Picard performance top shelf. I can't agree with that one more. You know what would have been really cool, guys, is if on this week's Star Trek Discovery, when uh, Lorca was being tortured, if they had four lights shining in his face. Oh, oh, that would have been amazing. That would have been that would have been great. Seriously, no spoilers. If they, if they could ever find a way to throw back to those lines, I will just mm. die of happiness. It's so. <laughs> I know everyone maligns like it's a very memeable moment, but it's so iconic. It's so great. 
It is. <laughs> All right. Ship in a Bottle, another fantastic title. Barclay ugh, accidentally awakens <laughs> Professor Moriarty on the holodeck. He uses the powers at his disposal to coerce the crew into finding a way to allow him to leave the holodeck. Uh, Bill, what do we think about Barclay's return? You know, we got two Barclay episodes in the front half of this season. Ashley is not happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I take this as a personal affront to uh, a show that completely aired before I was aware that it existed. <laughs> oh, I, as well you should. Um, you know, I honestly didn't like Moriarty the first time, and I don't think there's any way in hell he deserved a sequel. Um much to the surprise of some, this is a skip it for me, Dan. Yeah, that is a surprise. I, I will I will admit, I was not a fan of the first Moriarty episode. Um, I, I, but I, I gave this a see it. I, I really shouldn't like this episode as much as I do. And I think it all comes down to Daniel Davis uh, playing Moriarty. You know, I, I had the opportunity to chat with him for a little while at STLV this past <gasps> summer. And he oh, really so is a joy to talk to. He was so cool, very personable. Um, he makes this character likable, even though he is the villain. And I got to say, I, I love how the crew resolved this issue with Moriarty and the Countess thinking that they're no longer in the holodeck. They lied, but it was harmless because, you know, they're not real. So no harm, no foul. So I gave it a see it. <laughs> Tell that to the doctor that they're not real. That's right. <laughs> Who doesn't exist by this point yet? <laughs> you know, um, the thing that really interests me is that Ship in a Bottle got the exact same rating from Camp Kittimer as the previous two episodes, Chain of Command 1 and 2. People love wow. Ship in a Bottle. There aren't too many verbatims, um, but let's just say See It is an overwhelming theme for Moriarty. So that's very interesting, I think. Hmm. Wow. I would I would definitely agree with Cam Kittimer just because I'm a huge Sherlockian. So anytime we get to throw back to them, even this is probably the most ridiculous um in both a Star Trek y way, because like it's a holodeck episode, but I think it's it's well executed. It's really cute. If you're looking for just a one off that you don't need to know a ton of context for, I think it's a great episode. And uh more Moriarty all the time as far as I'm concerned. Ah. We've come up to an episode that I've been dying for us to discuss. <laughs> episode 13, Lucky 13, Aquiel. Jordy falls for an alien Starfleet officer who's suspected of murder. Bill, I want to know your thoughts on Aquiel. <laughs> oh, do you? Do you really? <laughs> I, I do. You have to validate my feelings. <laughs> um, so Star Trek, you know, has been on for over 700 <laughs> episodes. At this point, five live action series, you know, before Discovery. And across the entirety of everything that is and makes up Star Trek, this is the worst episode ever <laughs> produced, hands down. Put simply, this episode is a big steaming pile of dog shit. And by the way, the dog did it. Uh, skip it. Dan. Wow. You know, other than Chain of Command, this might be the best ep. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you want to die? I, all I can say is really? this. <laughs> this is my note in my, in, my, in my spreadsheet tonight. Skip it. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's yeah. clear, concise, and to the point, which for you is a, is a miracle. Um, 
Actually, it's just so bad. Actually, before we get to your comments, would either of you yeah. care to guess the percentage ranking of see it that Camp Gittimer gave this episode? If it's not zero, then someone needs to be punished. <laughs> well, I'm going to say this, Bill. Based on the positivity with the percentages of see it's that we've seen so far tonight, I'm guessing it's going to be higher than any of us expect. I will tell you that it's single digits. It is oh, good. nine percent. Too many digits. Yeah. Too many lights. Nine. <laughs> there are nine lights. Nine percent. Nine percent of the campers would watch this episode. Um, somebody did say watch it once. See it. No, I don't even think you should watch it that many times. That's how horrible <laughs> this episode is. Um. Yeah, nine, Ashley. Nine. Uh, Ashley, you better have it as a skip it, because if not, this it might be a throwdown. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a little rant here, okay? Oh, so please. I mentioned that Jordy was my favorite TNG character. Uh at this time and to this very day, uh LeVar Burton is a good looking man who portrays a wildly charming character that is arguably the best engineer in Starfleet, is very sociable, and has lots of friends. I don't understand why we have to turn him into an eight-year-old every time he becomes attracted <laughs> to someone. This is like- <laughs> The worst episode of it, and it the name of the episode is so close to my beloved Little Mermaid that it's just again a personal <laughs> affront to me. Don't even bother. Just uh, I don't know. Go watch Chain of Command again instead. Anything else? Go watch Rascals. Like not a good episode, but fun. There's nothing here. Burn this episode. Uh, light your TV on fire and call it a day. It's so bad. So you're saying you have no real strong feelings. No, I'm pretty neutral on it, I think. I think I've come off as mature and very even keeled in this moment. <laughs> Why wow. do you do that to Jordy, guys? Why? <laughs> it's it's amazing that you know they could take this episode and dumb Jordy down even more so than they have oh. in other episodes where he meets women. And this oh. way he he's creeping on this girl in her quarters for most of the episode, and that doesn't bother anybody. Like, it really makes his interactions with uh, Leia Brom, holodeck, or real life yeah. seem pretty well-balanced and well-thought-out. <laughs> right? And they're not. <laughs> but see, you know what, guys? The producers did it right because here we are talking about it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're not wrong, and that's a scary thought. Uh, let's move on to something horrifying. Face of the enemy, right? Right, guys? Yeah. Where a, a surgically altered Deanna is involuntarily recruited to assist in the transport of Romulan defectors across the border. Uh, Bill, what do you think about Face of the Enemy? I think that Marina should have had more stories like this one because she really, really gets a chance to shine. I love Face of the Enemy. I've always loved Face of the Enemy. It, you know, it's it, it's kind of a, a different fish out of water type story with lots of intrigue because of the Romulans. Even though we've established the Romulans don't really do much, it's still really fun. So I would see this, Dan. You know, Bill has the face of my enemy, but I digress. <laughs> um, yeah, this is this is a great episode. It is a 
seltzer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's a definite see it for me. It's a great episode. I love what Marina does in this episode as well. The look of shock on her Romulan face when she sees herself for the first time in the mirror is great. The interactions she has with Navek are fantastic. It's a great story. It's well-written. And it's one of those fun episodes that every season of TNG has. So it's definitely a see it. What do you think, Ashley? I definitely will hop on the see it train. Um, I did call out the Troy being captured episodes earlier as being a trend. I think this is probably the best one that we get. Um, She looks amazing as a Romulan. Uh, Romulans and Vulcans, because the makeup is so subtle, can be a little, they either look really great or they look really cheaply done, but it's not charming unless it's TOS. And they look that cheaply done. She looks awesome. Um, I think it's some of her best acting work. And Troy usually shines in interpersonal scenes where she can bring out the humanity in other characters. And it is nice to see, I think you get a sense in this episode why she belongs in Starfleet, why she's an important officer, and um, how she's maybe a little misused. Um, And I would chalk it up to the writing of the time, but definitely uh, check out Face of the Enemy because it's a great Romulan episode. This Yay, this one has Camp some of Kenimer my thing. yeah this one has some of my favorite verbatims in Camp Kenimer, and uh, I'll lead with this one, Dynasty level shoulder pads. See it? Oh, for real! <laughs> <laughs> nice. A Troy DeForce. That's a good one. Oh, that's like another that. great T-shirt. Yeah, and then lastly, uh, love the hair. See it? Eighty-seven point eight eight percent of Camp Kenimerites would fire wow. this episode up on the Netflix machine. So uh, I'd say that's pretty good. Nice. All right, let's go on to the episode named after the Carol King album, Tapestry. Mm. An accident kills Picard. He finds an afterlife with Q, analyzing his past choices. Bill, how do we feel about Tapestry today? You know, this episode to me has always been Star Trek's version of A Christmas Carol, and it was perfect for Patrick Stewart. <laughs> Because of his one-man Christmas Carol show. And it's perfect for Jean-Luc Picard. This one, for me, is an absolute see it. Um, I'm not a fan of most Q episodes, but I really like this one, Dan. Yeah, um, this is a definite see it for me. This is a kind of a reset button episode that we just recently talked about uh, only a couple of weeks ago on Trek Geeks with uh, the discussion on Enterprise's Twilight. Um, as usual, Delancey's just awesome as Q. Uh, and we get to see how things may have been with Picard, if not for just that one tiny choice. And that's kind of chilling when you think about it. Um, but I guess it can be best summed up with, is there a John Luck Pickard here, Ashley? <laughs> Well, there could be, depending on who your script supervisor is. I think it is. I think Tapestry is a deeply flawed episode, um, to be certain. It borrows a lot of tropes and a lot of um, saturated sentimentality that if we had had a weaker actor in this role, this would actually be like a skip it episode. But because, as you have both said, Patrick Stewart is so tremendous in his work here. And because John Delancey, for all the flaws inherent in the Q character, is also very charming. It's definitely worth seeing. Um, I don't know if it's one that is worth revisiting on every we rewatch, excuse me, um, but it definitely is one that you must have in your lexicon. And uh, I think it's already perfectly illustrated, very quotable episode for how sentimental it is. You have to see Tapestry. You know, the interesting thing is that you know, the highest rate or ranked episode from Camp Kittimer this season was Relics. 
Tapestry ties it at 96.97%, believe it or not. Wow. wow. Yeah. Um, that kind of surprised <laughs> me. Um, you got some sh- some schmoopy Camp Kittimer. <laughs> <laughs> the best of those verbatims is, Dumb Jot, human! <laughs> Which I appreciated. Uh, speaking of eminently quotable. So, uh, yeah, ninety almost 97%. So, um, okay. Moving on. <laughs> All right, next we're going to enter another two-parter. Yay, just what everyone was hoping for. Earthright, (laughs) part one. Worf is told on Deep Space Nine that his father is alive and is being held prisoner by the Romulans. Meanwhile, an engineering experiment accidentally results in Data's first dream. Dan, how's your feeling about part one of Birthright? Well, you know, Ashley, we have great two-parters like Chain of Command. Mm -hmm. And then we have Birthright. (laughs) Um, I am not a fan of this two-parter in any way. I think that the dream sequences are flat. And I think the whole Klingons being held prisoners by Romulans, just the story does not hold any weight for me. And it's too bad because I think there was potential there. Um, but it just, it just wasn't great. And it, I'm sorry, Worf. I got to give this one a skip it. What do you think, Bill? Well, you know, I said, I have at least one, one word review per season (laughs) oh we're gonna make it two in a way (laughs) i give this one a meh although and ashley will agree with this there is some dr Bashir, but it is a skip it for me oh my baby i know (laughs) it's it's not a skip it because of julian but unfortunately he's a casualty of of see it or skip it in this case um uh interesting camp kittimer 84.85 percent of people said they should see this. My favorite uh, comment on this is worse than birthright part two. Skip it. (laughs) 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 Ashley. So I actually really like parts of birthright part two. Um, I like Worf's struggle with his Klingon identity and uh, his, his struggle with figuring out who his birth parents are and what that means as far as his identity. I think it doesn't pay off as well in this part of the episode as it does in the second part of the episode, but you get to see deep space nine in this and that's cool. So because I don't love the Klingons, but I love the Klingons through the lens of Worf, I'm going to agree with the meh, but I'm going to say watch this in the background because you're going to need it to enjoy the second part. And spoiler alert, I'm going to tell you to watch the second part. Oh. (laughs) Just for a specific scene. I will die on this hill. (laughs) All right. So let's let's roll right into it then. Birthright part two. Worf, now prisoner, tries to teach the Klingon refugees the way of the warrior. Uh, Dan, why why don't you lay down why you hate this episode? Well, <laughs> I'm just going to say simply, I'm giving it a skip it um, for the same reasons as part one. The only redeeming factor I think that this episode has for me personally is that at least we don't have to deal with the data dream sequence crap again, because uh, that just does, it just kind of went away, but it's still, I just couldn't get into the Klingon story. So it's, it's a skip it for me. I'm going to stay right on par with part one, Bill. You know, I have a problem with with birthright one and two in general. It seems like two parts of of stories that should have been two separate episodes that were thrown together for no reason to make a two parter, and neither of them fit with each other. The Klingon stuff is interesting enough, but ultimately it boils down to, um, yeah, I'm going to forget I ever met these people. So for me, it's a skip it. 
It's a little less meh than part <laughs> one for me. But um, now that we've totally made Ashley want to stab us both in our eyes, um, I'm going to tell you what Camp Kittimer thinks. <laughs> and as one might guess, there is a in, – it's just a slightly lesser rating than part one. 78.79% of Camp Kittimerites would uh, would watch this episode. And um, the same respondent who gave us our verbatim in the last round said – Better than Birthright Part One, so uh, definitely hmm. not wrong on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Ashley, um, please feel free to conquer that hill and uh, tell us where we're incorrect <laughs> if you really want to, or you can um, move along right. as you see fit. <laughs> I've I've stretched my hamstrings. I'm ready to run up this hill. Go. So if you <laughs> Uh, followed my advice and watched the first half, you pretty much are compelled to watch the second half because the, uh, as with all Star Trek two-parters, there's absolutely no resolution to it. So you might as well just keep going for another hour. <laughs> if you approach this through the lens of war, uh, teaching the captive children the ways of the warrior, I think that that's what's really wonderful about this episode. Do I agree that the Romulans could have captured this many Klingons and that they would have stayed captured? Maybe not. But I think that this shows that Worf has a great knowledge and respect of his culture in a way that is separate from other Klingons. I also think you get a good sense of him as a potential Klingon elder. We do know he goes on to be an ambassador and a great father. And the reason that I like that is because he's like a really father to Alexander. And even though I hate Alexander, I don't think that's fair. And it is nice to see that Worf can actually have that kind of relationship and that he knows how to pass on and teach the greatest aspects of his culture because Klingon culture is deeply problematic. This is um, maybe one of my favorite teachings of Klingon lore um, because I think, you know, through the lesson of like we are telling, it's pretty condensed here. And I like Michael Dorn. So there, I will say, see it and I can watch it all alone and no one has to come over. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> And again, no strong feelings at all. No, not at all. Never. I'm very calm. We should I'm, show uh, some passion. I don't know anything about astrology. What's <laughs> what's a calm star side of Virgo or something? Who knows? Uh, we'll go with that. Yeah, sure. Someone's going to tweet me. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> speaking of stars, how about Starship Mine, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I think Dan's having a reaction already. <laughs> <laughs> Thieves attempt to steal trilithium from the Enterprise during a Baryon. I can't remember how to say that. Sorry, guys. I'm reading it. Sweep at Rimler Ray and Picard alone must thwart them. Bill, let's talk about Starship Fine. <laughs> you know, I like this episode because it's essentially diehard in space, right? So we finally get to see Patrick Stewart nice do call. something other than sit in a chair and adjust his shirt and say, make it so and... And, you know, yell at Q or, you know, the, he, he gets some action. He gets some adventure. He gets to have some fun. And it just, I, I think it's fun overall. So for me, Picard gets to kick ass. I want to see that all day long, Dan. Yeah, it's the Barian sweep, actually, Ashley. But you did a Nailed great it. job. Nailed That's it. okay. Yes, I have an yes. English degree, guys. You're welcome. <laughs> at the Barian sweep, I think, is how Picard pronounces it. Um, but this is a definite see it for me. I love this episode so much. Um, we get to see Tim Russ for the first time ever in Star Trek. Uh, I have a feeling he might show up later on somewhere. And I got to say, Brent Spiner's performance as Data is hilarious with the small talk at the banquet imitating Hutch. I just think that is 
just so funny. And, you know, on the, on the enterprise, there's real tension going on there. And I think that that Kelsey uh, villain was a really, really scary, badass one. And it's too bad that her shuttle exploded at the end because seeing her later would have been very, very interesting. This is a, see it all day long. Wow. Um, Camp Kittimer, not as much all day long. 80% of people said they would see this. Um, let's see. We got uh, Patricia Tallman and Tuvok see it. Evil Tuvok see it. Sexy Picard with a saddle see it. <laughs> Picard saddled with stopping terrorists. Boom boom. Oh. Uh, see it. <laughs> Those are my favorite verbatims from the camp. Um, but yeah, 80% Ashley. Uh, I think that's probably a fairly reasonable recommendation. See it only for if only for Tim Russ. It's a pretty good episode out of that. But Tim Russ, guys, Tim Russ, he's so great. <laughs> he's so he's so beautiful. See it for Tim Russ. I don't care about anything else that happens in this episode. <laughs> 10 out of 10 for the attractive Vulcan. Next is Lessons. Picard becomes involved with a woman who is serving on the Enterprise, but he must send her into a dangerous mission. Dan, how do you feel about lessons? Um, I gave this one a see it. Uh, you know, this story really shows how lonely starship captains are meant to be. And it's really kind of sad uh, when you think about it. Um, it's good to see Picard happy for a short time. But when he realizes that he can't do this, it really, really makes you feel for him. Um, although I have to say, the scenes where Picard is playing the flute with Darren and you can clearly tell that it's not his hands playing the flute, just really bad special effects, but uh, I'll give it a see it. I, I, I think this is a good episode. You know, although I think the conflict of Picard's duty versus Picard's emotions is a little too stereotypical and kind of overwrought in this episode. I do think this exploration of Picard through his relationship with Commander Darren is a wonderful one. And I'm just glad it's not, you know, a, a regular cast member. I'm glad in this episode, this script, it's not Beverly. So I definitely call this one a see it. It's one I enjoy watching, even if it's, you know, not the, not the greatest of episodes, but I do think it's important for Picard. Um, Camp Kittimer seems to think that they like it a little less than I do. 69% of campers thought <laughs> they would watch <laughs> this. Um, why can't the captain find love yesterday? See it. Uh, unnecessary romance. Skip it. Um, mm. But Russick and Flute, love it. So there's that. <laughs> First of all, it's not a flute. It's a tin whistle. So there's that. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Second of all, the card with romantic interests episode suck. So skip it. Okay. You're <laughs> not going to let me sit at your table. Interesting. <laughs> That's okay. There are no wrong answers here, at least in this, unless they're Dan's. Only on Twitter later, right? <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> All right. Uh, maybe this will bring us a little closer together and we can sit at the same table. The chase. Picard tries to solve an ancient genetic mystery uncovered by his archaeological big words mentor and faces stiff competition. Bill, how do we feel about the chase today? Well, I don't know if you're going to want me to sit at your table on this one because this episode really kind of bores me. Um, in fact, I went to rewatch it recently and I did honestly fall asleep during it. That's not a <laughs> lie. 
<laughs> so for me, uh, the chase is not even one I want to to get up and run after. It's a skip it, Dan. <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, you're welcome. Um, okay, so I gotta <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta be honest. I had this as a see it um, when I was going through the list just about five minutes ago. I changed my vote to a skip it because I was trying to think of why I really was having such a hard time with choosing it as a see it. Um, and Bill, what Bill said makes perfect sense. It's, it's kind of a boring episode. The one thing I like, which is very confusing and I'm still not really sure is that for some reason, the female founder from deep space nine shows up in this episode at the oh, end. She's, she's so great. <laughs> and so I'll give that a thumbs up because I just love Salome Jens. Um, but uh, I have to, I have to give it a skip it um, upon deeper consideration. So yeah, Ashley. I think Thanks. that is uh, the correct response. Oh, thank so God. So we are Woo. all sitting at the same table in the lunch room of Star Trek fandom. Yay. Uh, this is the uh, infamous Star Trek episode where we decide that there's a progenitor species that seeded the entire universe of all of our favorite aliens. Yeah. Um, to me, this is a trope that's been pretty popular across all science fiction. I think it's um, pathetically weak writing along the lines of it was all the dream and removes any individuality and identity from any of the races that we have fallen in love with over the decades. Um, and I hate the idea that everything is preordained and destined in some way because it removes any faculty from the class, uh, from the from the cast, and any drama from the show, making me want to ask, then why am I supposed to watch the show if it was all supposed to play out like this anyway? Um, I hate this episode. <laughs> Please skip it. Don't waste your time. Go watch Rascals again. It's got key children in it. <laughs> Ashley is way smarter than we are, Dan. Wow. <laughs> We're like, yo, skip it. She's like, yeah, no, there's this progenitor race. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I, I had to look that up while she was talking. Jeez. No, um, you know what progeny are? It's, it's, it's the same root word. <laughs> I, I kid, I kid. Um, believe it or not, 85% of campers would see this episode. And I'm oh kinda, my god! Yeah, You're not allowed to camp here anymore. <laughs> Campground <laughs> closed, yo. Um, the the two verbatims that stand out to me are "we're all related, yay!" and um, <laughs> no, not, yeah, no, <laughs> no, guys, no. <laughs> '90s makeup effects finally explained. See it. Um, those oh, are the verbatim. Yeah, that one is pretty good. So, uh, yeah, 85 percent, guys. I uh, I'm not down with that. Oh, man. So we're wow. getting into my favorite part of the season because it's going to get real negative for me. So let's go into frame <laughs> of mind, shall we? <laughs> Riker finds himself a prisoner in an alien mental institution, which resembles scenes from Beverly's play. Dan, uh, how do we feel about frame of mind? Um, I guess simply put, this is Frake's best performance as Riker, in my opinion. Um it's one of those cannot miss episodes of TNG and he really looks like he has completely lost his marbles in this episode. It is a see it for me. You never know if it's real or if it's in his mind, the special effects while nineties of the shattering screen and stuff like that is just something that always I've always enjoyed. So this is a definite see it for, for season six. What do you think, Bill? You know, I've said before on this show that I really dig frame of mind. And I think it's because Frakes just gets to unleash and go 
as far over the top as humanly possible. And it's such a contrast to the Will Riker that we know and love. And I just, I, I, I love this episode. For me, it's, it's, it's my best Riker episode ever. And I'm sure that Ashley's has, has her head about to explode right now. <laughs> she's, she's upending our table and hers. And um, if I had the upper body strength to do that, I'd be really impressed with me. <laughs> um, Ashley, before you before you come down on this episode, <laughs> I will tell you that seventy eight percent of campers um, love the crazy in Riker, and uh, they would see this. Um, They're probably the same people who like Aquiel. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I would definitely say skip for this episode. I do think uh, Jonathan Frakes is really great in this episode. I'm a huge Riker fan. Um, I'm a huge Frakes fan. He's a beautiful, beautiful man. Um, I think there are better Riker has been captured episodes. I would not rank this uh, rank this among it. It's the tie to like it reminds me of Beverly's play that really doesn't sit well with me. Um, Gates McFadden is a wonderful actress with a long history of stage work. I don't understand why they transported this into her character. I think it's dumb uh, as the framing device of the episode. I think it is both trite and lame. And I would say skip it. Go watch Riker uh, in his PJs or something. I don't know. Anything. Anything else besides frame of mind. Hmm. Okay. So there. <laughs> We've just been served. Uh, <laughs> it's great. I'm going to yell more about Beverly in Suspicions. Oh, you may not Doctor- be alone on this one. Yeah. Okay, I can come back to the table. Dr. Crusher risks her career to solve the murder of Ferengi scientist Dr. Rega and vindicate his research. Uh, Dan, how do you feel about suspicions and the Ferengi? You know, every every season there's one episode that I just cannot stand. And thank you, suspicions. You win this this time. Uh, this is an awful episode. Um, hi, Beverly. Can you uh, do me a favor and just, you know, disobey direct orders and disobey an entire race's beliefs and laws and then not get punished at all. Yeah. Starfleet has obviously gotten lax because Michael Burnham is probably really pissed at Beverly at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Skip it. (laughs) That's uh, a good call. That, that really is. That's, that's a fantastic comment. And I have no idea why this was a Beverly Crusher episode. It never should have been. She's out of place in this. I don't know why she's working with these scientists because it's got nothing to do with medicine. Uh, metaphasic shielding. Uh, I hate every time it's employed in Star Trek. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. It's coming up again soon <laughs> with the same actor, by the way. Um, I just, I never understood this episode. I think it's putrid. Um, I skip this faster than I skip some others in this season. So a definite skip it for me. Uh, Camp Kittimer, though. <laughs> those kind kind folks uh, campers we we do love camp kittimer and 54 percent of them said they would see it um one of them uh, one of the verbatims i think is interesting and i understand this rationale it's the last guidon episode of the series so you should see oh. it and i had forgotten that. i'm still not changing my vote sorry <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> as much as i love Whoopi, um i don't think i want to watch this episode again so I think that's like some that's interesting insight though. It's not enough to save it. Um, I really like the character of Beverly Crusher, but I unfortunately think that all Beverly centric episodes are garbage. Yeah. Um, with, v- <laughs> with very few exceptions. Um, 
you know, we, we talked about Troy earlier. It's in a similar way. Like she's a great character who they, they never quite know what they're doing with. And sometimes her entire ancestors get raped by space ghosts. Uh, that doesn't happen <laughs> in this one. <laughs> this one has the Ferengi in it. And unless it's Deep Space Nine, there is no reason to waste your time on a Ferengi episode. Skip it. Skip it. Dear God, run fast. <laughs> space ghost. I'm dying over here. <laughs> oh, I just I just can't oh I've never felt like this before you don't want to you don't uh, the candle did gonna, it yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to move on to rightful air guys <laughs> Worf experiences a crisis of faith and travels to a Klingon holy site where the mythic figure Kaelas returns to lead the Klingon people uh, anyone who is watching Discovery right now should be very familiar with uh, Mr. Kaelas so Bill how do you feel about Rightful Air? You know I don't love this episode but I have to admit I do kind of love it when clone Kaelas finds out <laughs> that he's clone Kaelas there's a little Scooby Doo moment where he kind of goes oh <laughs> and, and to me that's just priceless in this episode there's some good Klingon lore here it's interesting to see what the Empire will do to try to bring some stability I think this one's a see it Dan yeah I think it's a see it as well uh, I think it's a fairly well done Klingon episode uh, the last Klingon episode which was a two-parter that we had was not good so it was good to see them get back in the saddle so to speak this full of Davis um, I like seeing Kalis <laughs> Uh, in his true Klingon form. And I always enjoy seeing Gowron show up. Um, and it's really interesting, actually, that Kalis was a clone because now that I'm totally engrossed in Orphan Black presently, uh-huh. it's just awesome. Clones, clones, baby. So, yeah, definite see it for me. Ashley? Uh, I My only notes just say, I love Klingon Jesus. So <laughs> yes. I guess I would, have, I would have to recommend it. And, like, I made the discovery joke at the beginning, but particularly if people are thinking about and going going back and revisiting these episodes right now, Rightful Air, I think, is a very topical one. And it is one that deals with Klingon mythology in a way that's pretty digestible, which it's kind of a coin flip when you get back into those Klingon episodes. And I think this is one of the better ones. So see it. You know, and that, that kind of leads me to one of the Camp Kittimer verbatims where it says, you know, something more than just biker Klingons and nice to see a religious sect. <laughs> Um, and it does add some some texture to the Klingons as more than just a you know a, a Swedish heavy metal tribute band. So fifty seven percent of Camp Kittimerites would see this Klingon episode. So that's that's actually a little weaker than I thought, but I'll take it. Yeah, that's not too bad. Yeah. All right. Well, how about second chances? Riker encounters a duplicate of himself, Thomas Riker, created by a transporter malfunction. Thomas vies for Deanna's affection. Dan, how do you feel about uh, second chances and Mr. Thomas Riker? Well, I've always liked this episode for the explanation of the cause of the duplication because it's just so crazy that it's believable. Um, <laughs> I think it's I think there's some pretty good CGI work that's done when both Rikers are on screen. Um, the only part that I'm really not crazy about is the romance angle with Thomas and Deanna. It's it's kind of uncomfortable, um, but. TNG, to be honest, in my opinion, was never really great at the romance aspect, sort of like kids. So kids and romance and TNG sometimes can be uh, a curveball, but I'm definitely going to give this a see it. It's It's got a lot of good stuff in it. So uh, yeah, Bill? You know, 
I appreciate how uncomfortable this episode makes both Will and Deanna. And I think there were a lot of hard choices here for the Rikers and Troy. So at this point in the show's run, I think it's kind of a fun and interesting examination of these characters. And it creates some some interesting tension. So for me, this one is a see it. I'm not a big Tom Riker fan, so I'm glad he doesn't hang around. And I'm glad that Tom didn't stay in lieu of Will leaving because that would have annoyed me. But um, I think this one's a see it, Ashley. Ha, huh, that's cute. I really like Jonathan Frakes, and I believe I already spoke to how attractive I find him. And I'm perplexed to discover that two Frakes are not as good as one Frake. Um, I hate Thomas Riker. He shows up again in Deep Space Nine, and I'm just like, why, 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 why are you here? Um, so I would just like skip this episode and forget that it exists. Um, the the callback to the transporter malfunction is cute. Um, that's a really classic TOS trope. Shout out to the Beer Universe fans out there. Um, but this is not a good example of it. But does Camp Kittimer disagree with me? I bet they probably do. Uh, they do to the tune of 85%, if you can believe oh. that. Holy Klingon Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting you bring that uh-huh. <laughs> Interesting you bring that up because somebody makes the comment two clones in two weeks. See it. <laughs> oh, but the um, the other uh, verbatim I like is Will Riker literally hates himself. See it. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. It really is. Talk about self-loathing. My word. Oh yeah, but you know he's not wrong. All right, almost to the end here with Timescape. The Enterprise is caught in temporal stasis and on the brink of destruction by a Romulan ship. Bill, where do you come down on Timescape? I'm about to set a record here on Trek Geeks (laughs) and see it or skip it. I've had so far not one, not two, but three mehs. And I would like to now chime in with my fourth meh of the season for Amy Nelson. And it is for Timescape, to which I say, meh, Dan. This is a, an all-new record. Oof. Um, wow. We are, we are um, not agreeing on this one. I give it a see it. Uh, you know, uh, I love this episode for so many reasons, and I think it is because <laughs> of the idea of the pockets of temporal distortion that make for some really cool special effects. It really is quite hypnotic, Ashley. I would say see it, uh, but watch it in the background. I don't think it's the best episode. Um, I don't think it's the worst episode, but I do think it is a great ramp up into Descent Part 1. It's um, interesting how Camp Kittimer came down on this. 81% of the campers would see this, and there's more than one verbatim that says, Warp Core Smiley Face. <laughs> more than yes, one. Yes, yes. There yes. is more than one. Warp core breach. Smiley face. See it. Wow. Yeah. I'm <laughs> pleasantly surprised by that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, gentlemen, we've made it to the end of our list. Let's see if we're still all sitting together by the time class ends today. Descent part one. The crew encounter a group of Borg acting individually, and Data briefly experiences emotions. Dan, how do you feel about Descent Part 1? Well, um, I'm going to give this one a see it, 
but bear with me for a second. I think this is a weak cliffhanger. I'm going to come right out and say it. Um, it's borderline see it for me. I like seeing Data all pissed off and murderous because we never really get to see that. And it's another chance for, for Brent to shine because he always does. Um, but at the same time, it looks a little forced. And I'm kind of getting a little bit tired of the whole Data wants to have emotions aspect of the show at this point. Um the Borg are sinister, and they show individuality, which is kind of cool. But where the hell did that weird, bulky, boxy starship come from? Because it is just god-awful ugly. And I got to be honest, when the cliffhanger itself showed up at the end of the episode and Lore walked on the stage or, or whatever it was, I was, I was extremely underwhelmed. Uh, that, you know, the Sons of Zoom? Ugh, I don't know. But I'll I'll still give it a see it, Bill. It's the worst biker name ever, Sons of Sung. Um, <laughs> this is not my favorite Data episode. It's not my favorite Lore episode. It's not even my favorite Borg episode. But I do kind of like what happens to Data here. I, I don't think it's as cohesive, Dan, as as you said, with some of the other cliffhangers. But I, I do think it's it's interesting enough to see. You mentioned that ship. The only time I ever liked that ship is in the next gen pinball game, because oh, uh, nice call. Yeah, oh, thank nice. you. Nice call. Thank you. And if you play that at Fun Spot, which is the largest largest eighties arcade museum in the United States in uh, Laconia, New Hampshire, also where they had King of Kong, you can play this all day long. I know because I have. Uh, but nice. see the episode. That's for darn sure. Um, Camp Kittimer. Um, 90% of campers wow. think you should see oh. this. Um, people cite pissed off data, mysterious lore, and crazy Borg. Uh, data gets mad and even. Lots of see it for Descent, Ashley. Um, I will I will also jump on the see it bandwagon, but I will agree that by this point in the series, I'm a little bit over uh, data wanting to have emotions. Yeah, exactly. It's something that... Uh, even by the time we get to first contact, I'm like, I'm really over the emotion chip though. Like, come on, I don't care anymore. I think this episode has some big ideas. I think it has some really Star Trekky ideas that are not always executed to the best of their ability, but it's nowhere near some of the worst episodes that we've seen this season. It's adequate for a finale, but I do think, I think you should watch all the two-parters, and I do think that if they are at the beginning and the end of a season, they especially deserve to be watched. So, see it. You know what I thought was cool about this episode and kind of funny in a morbid kind of way is this this security guard that you never saw ever in the first six seasons of TNG <laughs> shows up to beam down to the planet. What do you think is going to happen to him? <laughs> Murder. <laughs> I actually just watched the new uh, STC episode and there was a red shirt and I was like, I'm pretty sure he's going to be murdered. And then he wasn't. <laughs> I like to keep you guessing. Well, um, that is all 26 season six episodes. Ashley, Ooh. would you be surprised to find out that uh, you liked 16 of them? Um, I was, I was surprised. I was also surprised at how many of our opinions lined up. I kind of thought I was going to be the naysayer, <laughs> but I, I wound up being the pro-sayer on a couple of them. Uh, and this was a ton of fun. <laughs> if it helps you, I'm clearly the naysayer of the night. I was 13 of 26 for an even 50%. You are Ouch. 13 of 26. I am. Oh, there's my board designation. <laughs> Dan, how did you do my friend? 
Well, I guess uh, Amy is going to be happiest with me. So, Miss Nelson, just remember that I came in at 18 of 26 for a whopping 69.23% see it rating for season Ooh, you six. You went at two decimal points, you real fancy <laughs> with your math. <laughs> math is hard. It is so hard. <laughs> I guarantee he had to use a calculator. No way he did that in his head. No way. <laughs> He's not that bright. Uh, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us and for, for running through season six with us. We know you'll be back for Discovering Trek. We know you'll be back for Deep Space Nine, see it or skip it. Until those times, where can people find you online? Oh, man, you can find me all over the internet. You can find me at Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to tweet me hot pics of Julian or Riker, I'm all about that, at <laughs> Ashley B. Robinson. And you can find a whole bunch of video content with myself and Jason and Min, including 31 episodes of The Red Shirt Diaries at yes. youtube.com slash Jawin, J-A-W-I-I-N. And on December 6th, if you went to your comic store and bought Jupiter Jet issue one, I love you forever. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. Wow. Ashley, yeah. thanks so much again. And uh, best of luck with Jupiter Jet. And we will talk to you very soon. Definitely. Thanks, guys. And Dan, we have to thank Ashley for coming by and uh, sort of spearheading the chaos that is see it or skip it. <laughs> what a great time. And um, yeah, she really does sound a whole lot smarter than us. Well, I think that goes without saying because she is a lot smarter than <laughs> us. She is. And I'll apologize right now um, that probably for most of that segment, all you did was hear me laugh because she is a riot. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, uh, refer, ref, refereeing us uh, on Theater Skip, but it's great. You know, she, I might have a new co-host on Discovering Trek. I gotta say, what you've already been through one. Did you already fire Jeff? <laughs> No, it was it was great to have Ashley on. We really uh, love having her on, and look forward to having her on again uh, for whatever topic we have. As long as Doctor Bashir is involved, I think she will be a very happy woman. I think so too. And who doesn't love Doctor Bashir? I ask you, uh, Dan. We would be incredibly remiss if we didn't thank our other friends, the band Five Year Mission, for all the music they let us use every week here on Trek Geeks. Every last note of music you hear is five-year mission we love their music so much if we want you all to head on over to fiveyearmission.net download all their albums you know get ready for year four because it's coming very very soon i um I, I dan i can't wait for year four i'm gonna i'm gonna geek out listening to it but um again we can't thank them enough truly we really can't thank them enough we love listening to them and and i think uh the the um fundraiser for year four is is just right around the corner like mere days away uh if i am not mistaken um but even with all that excitement i do have to tell you i was a little i was a little scared the other day watching my special episode uh why it was a little it was a little tense you know it was a little a little frightening it kind of fits in what, what we just discussed with ashley uh earlier uh, on today's show you know picard has to you know he he had to hide from saboteur band members that had uh beamed onto the ship and at the same time he was hiding from them he had to stay ahead of this process that was 
cleansing the Enterprise from all the Farkisms that had built up over so many years. That that you know process was called the Rittenhouse sweep, and it was very dangerous. Um, so make sure you check it out. It's Farkship Mine, and it's and and Picard plays the barber of all things. It's really cool. Farkship Mine. I, I, I just I don't I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> hey, um, I Thank you. Farkship Mine, really? Oh, I thought you'd be giving me a hard time on the Rittenhouse sweep. Well, I was coming to that next, but oh, it's oh, so sorry, rare that you sorry. work in Rittenhouse that I kind of let it by. You know, I didn't want to talk to my pitcher in the middle of a no hitter because you didn't hit anything with this. <laughs> Whoa! Um, oh, hey now! But yeah, fiveyearmission.net, please become a big fan of theirs as we are. We guarantee you'll love their music. Um, Dan, of course, we want people to subscribe to Trek Geeks. You can get this podcast automatically on your mobile device or however you like to listen to podcasts. You can head on over to subscribe.trekgeeks.com and find out the myriad of ways you can get your independent Star Trek podcast delivered your way. And that's um, that's pretty exciting, I think. What do you think? I think it's pretty cool. It, it actually kind of beams right onto your phone when you subscribe. Oh, it really right? does. Yeah. yeah. Did you think and of that? I didn't think of that. That's pretty good. The subspace like and all that. Yeah. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, if you wouldn't mind giving us a review and a rating, you know, your honest feelings, uh, we would genuinely appreciate it. Plus, it helps other Star Trek fans find the podcast. Dan, next week, we talked about this a little bit before as a tease, but I think you've got a little more detail. Yeah, I do. Uh, as you just mentioned, we talked about it briefly during the news segment. Um, our great friends uh, over at Star Trek Continues released their next to last episode this past week. It's called To Boldly Go Part One. And, you know, to say that it is an epic episode is not giving it justice. It is just that good. So next week, we're going to dissect this very special episode. And whenever we do that, Bill, you know, it's now tradition to welcome the captain himself on the show. So Vic Mignogna is going to help uh, discuss Tobolego Part 1, and we can't wait to hear what he has to say about this truly unbelievable episode. That's next week on an all-new Trek Geeks, your independent Star Trek podcast. Wow, I I can't wait. It's always a joy to welcome Vic to the show, and there's, there's so much to unpack with that episode, Dan. It's unbelievable. What? Uh, how many times is he going to be on now? Is this like his thirty fourth time? I think something like that. Uh, I think it's seventy one. Seventy one. Forty seven. Seventy one time. Okay. Uh, yeah. Vic Mignogna's forty seventh appearance next week <laughs> on Trek Geeks. Dan, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want everyone to check out the Tricorder Transmissions online at thetricordertransmissions dot com. You can listen to Drawing Trek or Shore Leave or Disco Trek or Tavacron or even Trek Ranks. They got so many great shows out there. Something for every Star Trek fan guaranteed. And of course, Dan, for all the news on all the Star Treks, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 117 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Coconutus, is your endocarpus nomenclature a tasty botanical deliciousness by nature? Did, did you really just drop Ode to Coconut? I did. It's worth it. I'm deleting this entire episode. <laughs> Ooh, it's like that episode on Deep Space Nine. Ooh. The one that doesn't happen? Right. How do, how do we know that? Right.
Bing bong. You sound better. Thank you. I feel better. Um, that's good. You don't look better, but that's just usual, right? <laughs> that's part for the course. I can't help that. That's sort of my birthright. Which also wow. not a great episode of, of Next Gen, but we may talk about that later. That's true. That's true. Um, it's God, it feels like we haven't done this in so long. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> we haven't. You have. Can I tell you how much it stinks to not be on your own podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's Well, you know. Yeah, it happens from time to time. It's you know, you got to do what you got to do. You know, when you're when you're like dead with a cold and can't talk, and it may be good for me to not have to listen to you, but you know, people miss you. I'm I'm so glad that you're so empathetic. Wait, let me leave <laughs> off the M of that. <laughs> yeah, no, it was yeah. It's, it's good to have you back, pal. It's great to be back. I um, I, I'm looking forward to this. I think this is going to be fun. I um I'm have I have coffee in hand, which I, I do as well. What are you drinking? Oh, cinnamon sugar cookie! <laughs> Me too. Went uh, swung by uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, shameless plug, uh, last week, and just to, I actually drove all the way over there just to see if they had the cinnamon sugar cookie, and they did. So I got six boxes. <laughs> Did they have any of the uh, toasted marshmallow mocha? I think it is. I didn't even look. I saw that's, the I saw the box delightful. for this, and I just grabbed them and ran. Well, yeah, I the marshmallow. Oh, thank God, <laughs> the marshmallow one is delightful. I love it. Is it? I have not. I have not tried that one before. As well, you should. You you should definitely, you know, grab a couple of boxes of it because it is fantastic. It's like drinking a s'more. Oh, and then if you want. Additional coffee, you can have some more. I hate you so much right now. Where's your boom boom? Okay, it didn't deserve that. That's how bad that was. <laughs> okay, I can, I can, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. So I'm gonna, they, thank you, thank you. No, no that was that was in protest because oh. you know you finally relented. So <laughs> I, I wanted to make it so ill timed that it didn't fit. Wow. So you know how I I usually drink margaritas. I have that. That wasn't funny. It wasn't supposed to be funny. Nothing you say is funny. I'm just. I'm, <laughs> this is like looking for a needle in a haystack right now. Wow. All right. Well. Okay. Let's just get started then. <laughs> <laughs> so normally you drink margaritas. I've been on a bloody Mary kick lately. Really? Yeah. Don't know why. I think. And and it's weird. I was I was telling Sue last night. Bloody Marys for me, they're either awesome or they're horrible. If they're made wrong with too much vodka, I I hate them. But lately, oh, good. They came, miss, uh, is it Mrs. T just came out with a new fiery hot pepper tomato Bloody Mary mix. Oh, ha ha. It's good stuff. Well, if it were Mr. T, I'd have to pity the fool. Uh, now you can play the drum thing. That was great. Very funny. I was, tr- I was trying to. I couldn't get to it quick enough. <laughs> no. Nice job, producer. Hey. Um, oh. So you know what this means? What's that? When we go to Star Trek Las Vegas in August, you're going to have to go to Guy Fieri's restaurant with the Guy Fieri wig and drink one of his Bloody Marys. Oh, okay. I can do that. I'll do that. My cosplay's going to be smoking. I'm going to get all kinds of changes I'm going to make to it this year. And I don't know if you've seen what Vegas Bloody Marys look like, but they have practical meals hanging off them. Oh, my God. Yeah, Sue showed me a picture of one last night, and it's like, I, you need like a knife and fork to drink that thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to have one of those things because I don't like tomato juice. Yeah. Um, but you are welcome to. I'll just stick to mimosas because that's how I okay. roll. That's, that's okay. I, we can do that. I remember, I think I, I think I remember seeing the pictures of the Bloody Marys when we were uh, at um, the Hash House too. Don't didn't they have some there? Oh, absolutely, they did. Yeah. Yeah. How do you really feel? <laughs> oh, Los Angeles Dodgers, Houston Astros, not the New York Yankees. Yay! I'm happy to root for anybody but the Yankees. Me too. So uh, since Chris Mumphrey's Dodgers are are in the World Series, um, yay! I'm happy for yeah. that. It would have been, you know, if it was uh, Aaron's Cubs, it would have been good. But it's Mumphrey's yeah. Dodgers, you know. I'll take Cubs won one last year. Let the Dodgers give it a chance. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's nice for Houston to be in the World Series. They've gone through a lot this year with the yes. the hurricanes and the flooding and um, having to be Texans fans. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You're Maybe welcome. JJ Watt will uh, do a little bit better this year since he was out all. Oh. <laughs> hey, now be nice to JJ Watt because I love JJ Watt. I love him. I have a JJ Watt jersey. Guy. Yeah. I have because he is everything you hope a professional athlete would be as far as a role model. Right. And just a decent human being. Love the guy. I mean, I was more. I'm not a. I'm not a Houston Texans fan per se, but I think I was more bummed to hear that he went down for the season than I did with Aaron Rodgers last week. And I'm a Green Bay fan, ish. Right. Ish. Yeah, so well, ish. because your dad is though, right? Exactly. That's why I am. It's kind of like I don't want to say beat into me because that's the wrong term. <laughs> you don't like Green Bay? <laughs> no, just because it was around all the time. I um. <laughs> Well, the, the last Super Bowl was was hard for me because I, I do like the Falcons. I mean, I do spend yep. time in the Atlanta area every Thanksgiving. And, of course, I'm a Patriots fan, so it was like, ugh, ugh. And then when the Pal- Falcons were doing well, I was like, okay, maybe it's their year. And then they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny that we're talking about that this morning when the Patriots are playing the Falcons later this evening. As we record this, yes. Exactly. And we, yes. I will miss the game because... Discovery's on at eight thirty, and so is the right. game. Yes, and I'll be in, on my way to Patriots, bed at nine thirty. On a quick segue, did I ever tell you that when my dad was mayor, he tried to get the Patriots to move to Nashua? What? Yeah, it was the time when they were talking about whether or not they were going to build a new stadium somewhere, and they were talking about maybe downtown Boston and stuff like that. And he actually uh, had like a couple meetings to see if they wanted to do something in the Nashua area. <laughs> that would have been funny. So what, Stello Stadium? <laughs> <laughs> Woo, we can pack three thousand people per game. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tailgate though. Right, exactly. That would be bad. Nashua PD is not too favorable about that. <laughs> wait, wait. There we go. Oh, I was waiting for it. That's where the pause was. I'm like, do it, do it. I didn't want to, you know, tell you to do it because, you know, you're the executive producer, but um, maybe you could fix that. You can edit it in so it's right there, right at that spot. Bacardi and Cola, do it, do it. (laughs) Sorry, I'm quoting Starsky and Hutch, the movie. Golden wine cooler. Wait, how did you go from Starsky and Hutch to Bruce Willis? I I don't know. Just uh, you, you, you made that, you started singing the song about alcohol and that song popped into my head. I wasn't singing a song. I was quoting a line from a movie. But it sounded like you were singing because you've got such a happy voice now that you can talk. Why are you buttering me up? What do you need? I don't need anything. 
I just, I appreciate you. I don't tell you enough. <laughs> now you can play the rib shot because that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> You get the opposite of the rim shot. <laughs> Thank you. You ready to do this, jerk? You got it, buddy. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> what is it mean? Is somebody else going to sit in for you? Is that why I'm going to have fun? Wow. Uh, wow. Actually, I said we're going to have some fun, but okay. Shut your face. 